This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. But like David Green, I would I could name drop him when I was at the Bigger Pockets Conference and everyone trusted me right away. Like, oh, I work with David. And they're like, oh, cool. And I got their card and then I added them to my database and now they buy in Louisville. Like you can leverage, like it's all about who you know. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's going on, everyone? This is Jonathan Farber, your host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. I hope you're all well and healthy. For any first-time listeners, thanks for being here. The goal of this show is to explore ways to become financially free through real estate or to increase passive cash flow through real estate. A little background on myself, I work in corporate America at a software company and my side hustle is real estate. I currently own eight rental units and looking to add more this spring. I have house hacked, bird, flipped, and done short-term rentals to name a few strategies. My current focus is 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in Ohio and Kentucky. I love to network and learn. So if you'd like to connect further, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or BiggerPockets. Today, we have another awesome guest and close friend, Rob Bergeron. Rob is based in Louisville, Kentucky. He is a realtor who specializes in finding off-market deals and working with out-of-state investors to buy cash-flowing assets. Rob is one of the most active networked people or active networking people I know and serves on the executive board of the Kentucky Real Estate Investors Association. Uh, Rob also has five units to his name as current rentals. I think you will hear in this episode, guys, uh, Rob and I are good friends and we've become good friends just because he brings so much value and he's always communicating and doing creative things to stay close with his out-of-state clients, his out-of-state friends, and just be very active on social media. But uh, Rob's a great guy and you'll hear it throughout the episode. The two things that stood out to me from this episode were one, how to invest in a few simple steps from out-of-state if you get the right team. And Rob also explains how to build that right team from anywhere in the country at any stage in life and who you need to think about and then what you need to do to have them be successful. So really interesting framework and blueprint that he talks about because he deals with out-of-state investors pretty much exclusively. I mean, he has a couple in his market, but for the most part, he's dealing with out-of-state investors coming through on buying lists. The second thing that stood out from this episode was his super creative ways to connect with his clients. Things like birthdays, gift giving, uh, special throw-ins for closing, all these things that Rob does to make his clients feel special and want to work with him and want to have more than just a working relationship. Like Rob has all these tips and tools. It can be for real estate, but just general business or networking or relationship that he uses to stay in front of people in a very fun, chill, casual way instead of being salesy or pushy. He is the furthest from that. And he's probably one of the most successful realtors that I've ever met. So really interesting strategies there. And I think you guys can take away a lot of the actionables about how to connect with brokers and clients in any market or field, but how he does it. Today's tangible tip is if you are a podcaster and as Joe Rogan just transitioned to Spotify, I know a lot of you guys are building the Spotify base up and you want to get your content out there. There is only room for 47 characters on your Spotify title. So why am I saying that? Use those 47 characters very wisely. I do some split testing with different titles here and there, but I, in the early stages, had some episodes get released where 
the important part or the catch or the hook of the title was missed because it was in maybe the 50th character or 55th. And when I would pull it up my phone, you wouldn't see it. So my point is you need to maximize what people are going to see in that preview, either on their computer or phone while you have them. So just a little thing there if you're creating content and how to utilize the space that you have. So without any further ado, awesome, awesome episode today with Rob Bergeron. All right, Rob, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. How are things in Louisville, man? I've been following you, but what's the latest? It is, it's raining. It is, it's gloomy. It, this is so much more tolerable when it's nice outside, when I can sit in my hammock, uh, walk the dogs. So it is gloomy. It's one of those great reading fall asleep days. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was, as, as I do with most guests when we kick off, think back to how we first got connected. I don't know if you even remember this. We first met at BPCon. I do remember. Yeah. I think it was a meetup for like short-term rentals or something, but I remember you came in so much energy and the listeners will feel this as they hear this episode and if they ever get a chance to talk to you, which they should. But uh, I just remember meeting, I was like, man, that guy's got a lot of energy. He's bouncing around and seems like he knows what he's doing. And then afterward, just following all your stuff on bigger pockets and Facebook and how active you are and then seeing what you've done in the community. It's really cool. So I was thrilled for this episode. And then we've continued. I've been to Louisville and checked out deals there and you're doing a lot of cool stuff. So uh, yeah, man, excited to get going today. You mind just giving the listeners a quick background of who you are, how you got into real estate, uh, and then maybe kind of bring up to speed with what your day-to-day is. Sure. So, um, well, I'm a realtor here in Louisville, but I'm from Ohio and it's a big deal because they really care what high school you went to here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and I went to public school in Ohio. I went, I'm from this magical quaint place, no crime. Everyone's nice. And so when I tell people, oh, I went to like Springboro, they're like, oh, where's that? It's like Ohio, it's a public school. They're like, oh, not Trinity, not St. X. But um, no, uh, so graduated from UK, moved here because I had a couple of friends after I had this terrible job in Iowa. I cried three times. It was awful. Um, I lived in a retirement community as a 24-year-old and I was in charge of sales and marketing and I paid off all my student loans, $48,000 in eight months. But I was depressed and I said, hey, I'm going home for Christmas. I'm not coming back. Um, anyway, so I'm a realtor here and uh, I didn't know anybody. So I started advertising on Craigslist and I got aggressive with it. So if you posted one ad, I would post 50, knock yours all off. Started working with this guy named Hampton Skurlock and Hampton's like the man, everybody knows him. Started working with me because I was attentive and he was buying these really crappy properties. Like I was making like, I was on a team too. So I was making like $500 a deal. Wasn't worth my time, honestly, but I kept on doing it. Then everybody assumed they needed to work with me because he did. And then I was like, shoot, I've got to learn all this stuff. And then six years later, now that's like my niche. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. So what was it like at the beginning? Like you said, transitioned into it. You were like a new broker. You were a new realtor, just trying to find your footing. Like what actions were you taking at the beginning specifically? Because you've built up such an interesting niche and such a big business now, but you were starting from scratch. It's not like you had this thing that you were walking into this free blueprint or framework that you could just follow. You were just kind of starting and now you've turned it into something. So like, what were some of the steps or like process at the beginning? Well, a lot. I'm like a completely different person uh, than I used to be. So um, basically I was a realtor, didn't really sell anything my first three years. I like made 30,000, 40,000, 40,000, like no growth. But then um, 
I partnered up with this girl named Katie No, and like think of like Topanga from Boy Meets World, and that's Katie. She's organized, <laughs> she's attentive, she puts out a really pretty product. She's awesome. Well, after that, I started having some surplus money, and I was like, all right, I'm finally getting a sleep study. So I went and got a sleep study, and like 38 apneas an hour is considered like severe apnea. I had 78 hours. So I was like double severe. <laughs> and uh, basically every 30 seconds throughout the night, I was waking up. So like I got a CPAP machine, started sleeping. Okay, Morningwood. That was a tell. I hadn't seen Morningwood in like 12 years. So honestly, if you aren't seeing Morningwood, you have a sleeping disorder of some sort. So if, as a male, it's like, a, it's a tell. So anyway, so I woke up and I was like, whoa. Anyway, so now... I've lost like 50 pounds in like the last like year and a half and like my energy levels up and like, I feel like I like articulate things better and I process things like I have more puns than I ever did. And um, I don't know. So I always was energetic, but like I'd sit down and watch Netflix and like fall asleep in like a few seconds. So mm -hmm. now like I have a lot more time to like process and hang out and get creative. And so partnered up with her and like it worked out really well. And then, I wanted to focus more on like the dirty investing stuff. So I went off and did my own thing. And um, basically it was just align myself with all the people that are like awesome in the industry, like Frank Miller's killing it and like SharePoint and Harry Borders. And like, we just yeah. all latched onto each other. And I, I made up this thing called the family where we, like we just try to help each other out. And um, they started sponsoring quarterly investor lunches. The first one I had like six people. And then now we get up to 150, uh, which is kind of cool. And then um, I started going to Korea and got to know everybody there and got elected to the board this year. And I think it was by like the skin of my teeth. Um, and so that's been interesting and uh, it's, I've learned a lot. And so now I'm like friends with all these people that are just like the smartest people in the room. And so I'm learning a ton and now I'm starting to become one of the smarter people in the room and mm -hmm. my clients are so good to me and like I'm good to them and they refer me a ton. So in my business, like I don't make calls, I don't do anything. It's just all relational. How, value add, like we talked about earlier, like, yep. you know, what can I do? So Chipotle, hang out. If I'll put out the bat signal, be like, hey, like a few of us are going to Chipotle and we'll get like 15 people like an hour later, like meeting us at Chipotle. And it's just, it's fun. Like this community is like the coolest community. Everyone's well-read, everyone's listening to podcasts and everyone's like so generous and like sharing information. Like it's cool. And I love being able to hook like my friends up, like Joe Worth or mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like saying, Hey, I've got someone who needs someone to work with. Like, here you go. And like, I, I like building that web to connect people. I think it's awesome. 100%. And I even felt that vibe like overwhelmingly when I was in Louisville for the first time and went to a meetup, hung out with you, hung out with some other people that were just like there in the community. I probably met Joe at that time too, but just well, like everyone was so one nice, but also educated and like savvy and doing stuff. And, but also just like very welcoming. So it's like very, interesting cool like part of the community and a lot of people take pride like more than i felt in different neighborhoods about like that community so it was really interesting and like i can totally relate to what you're talking about just from like chance encounters of being there but very cool so like you get started in the business i mean i i want to talk a little bit about the the like realtor side of things and then like dig into the investor side of things but sure. it seems like the way you did it like it 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 didn't sound that like painful or uphill that I hear so many beginner realtors talk about where they're like, I'm door knocking or I'm cold calling for five hours. And it sounds like, 
like hell it sounds brutal but like the way you did it it sounds like it was more relational based and through people and aligning with other people that it it seems more fun and like just more like a little more downhill so like is there any advice you have for a realtor that's starting out today listening to this like how can i get in the game how can i do more like what rob did and kind of build a business without like such friction like starting out and prospecting well <laughs> i i think just i know it sounds weird she's been really nice like and I built up all this trust. So six years ago, like I started running comps for all these wholesalers. I'd run comps for anybody. I'd always say, hey, even if I'm not part of the deal, you have an agent, you're in a deal. Like I'll run comps just to make sure you're you're getting to the deal at the right price. Because if you flame out on your first deal, I won't be able to get you on your fourth deal. And so that was good. Just coming from contribution, I didn't ask anything from anybody when I did that. And I was, I would have it in like five minutes. You You emailed me mostly because I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a social life. And so I would have it to you. And so like people, like they had to make decisions really quickly and they valued that information. And then, I don't know, I just came up with the ways, like the quarterly investor luncheon, like I invited my clients first and then I opened it up to the public. So it's like kind of inclusive and like, it's like, we're a little like gang, I guess. And then, I don't know. And I have some like normal clients too and they're awesome. And I don't know. It's just fun. Everything's relational though. Um, I think uh, value add, like I said, like running comps for everyone, like call all those, you drive around town and call all of those we buy houses signs and say, Hey, I'm not really looking to buy, but I'm a realtor. I'm happy to run comps just to make sure you have the best numbers to negotiate with. And then they trusted me because if two of them sent me the same deal, I would say, Hey, two of you are barking up the same tree. If you want, you guys can JV and I'll put you in contact with each other. If they both said yes, I would do it. But I would always, I would never share any of the deals. Like I could have gone after him as listings if I wasn't a jerk. And I, I never did that. So building up that trust was really important. Um, that is a great tip. I've never heard of that. But like, and you don't even think about it being on I sort, like sort of the investor side of things. It, it doesn't jump out as something that would like help people. But so many people get stuck because they don't know the comps of something or they don't know how to find them. They don't want to look them up. So like that's such an easy value add thing you can do for someone that just oh, okay. He said he was going to do it. He did it. And now he's not trying to snake me out of a deal. So like value add, and then you're just present and you're very good at building relationships. So like it probably adds up over time. So like just with that, Rob, I don't even know if I asked you this, how long have you been doing this in the Louisville market? Uh, I've been a realtor for six years, but I think the last like three years have been like a good realtor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, one thing that's good about working with me is like now, like I don't sell a lot of like half a million dollar houses, like maybe some like multifamilies that price, but so no one deals ever going to make or break me because I have so many little deals going on. So I'm yeah. never going to keep my clients in like a bad deal. Like if they don't feel it, like I don't, I don't pressure them at all. Like some agents, if they're selling two half a million dollar houses a, a month, like they're going to do everything they can to keep those deals together. And like, even if it's to the detriment of their own clients. So honestly, I wouldn't work with new realtors now that I'm not a new one. But honestly, if you're starting out, like a new realtor has nothing but time. So if you need someone that's going to show you those West End houses or, <laughs> you know, like run comps, like. I right. Because you're busy now. Like you have a ton of things going on. So like, and we'll, we'll get to that of like what you're doing now, but like you've expanded into so much more than just like a broker side of the house and like now just connecting so many dots. But I want to go back to just like when you first started actually investing, because another thing I'm sure you see a lot and a lot of realtors in, in just general, they don't actually invest in real estate. And I think one, it hurts their credibility a little bit and they don't work with investors. So like they say they can, or they say they will, but 
like you stood out to me as being that much more credible from the beginning because one, you invest in real estate and two, you primarily work with investors. So for you, how did you decide to jump in to actually start investing in real estate? And what did that first deal or two look like when you decided to get in there? Well, first and foremost, full transparency. I'm of a, I'm a PEMDAS guy. So me, so, okay, we'll go from the timeline. Six years ago, terrible realtor, didn't make any money for three years. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to start investing until I buy my house. And so I bought a house, um, I bought it for 130, tax assessed at 146, after a pair value was 185. So then I was like, I'm gonna rehab the house. This is one of my most recent mistakes, still making it right now. Uh, I was like, all right, I'm only paying cash for the entire rehab. And so in between the furniture and everything, I'm out like 100K in last year out of pocket. So I only have one investment property and it's a, a fiveplex. And we got it for 240, but it cash flows 4,100 a month. So we're, I'll be able to pull my money out in the first two years um, really easily, safely. Um, but I, I'm excited. This was, man, this was supposed to be the year, you know, like I'm, business is fine and I'm, it's great, but it, like I was, I thought I was going to double up this year. And so um, I think I'm going to do things way different than most people. I, I know this isn't the question, but I think I'm going to buy $50,000 house cash and then just take the cash flow and then just buy four of those like every year. And that's what I'm going to do. And then that way I don't, I don't know. And then I can borrow against those if I want to do like a big commercial property. But I think that's like, cause I don't like my clients thinking I'm competing with them either. Like snaking deals. Cause why wouldn't I buy it? That's the first thing I would think. Um, so I partner with people. So like, I just got a call from a guy named um, it, Ite. He's um, from Israel and uh, he's starting to invest in our market. Um, just left New York city, moved to Louisville. Um, has some friends who invest in Cincinnati and they own like a hundred doors there. And he's like, well, Hey, like, we'd really like you to join us. Like they want to give me an ownership stake in the property just to get first dibs on a multifamily. And I was like, sure. So the idea is you own a little piece of everything. I won't have a say in anything, but I like the idea of just creating residual income as long as I'm bringing in enough. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. That makes total sense, but also like not competing and they know that you'll have a pulse on the market and, what you're doing with also like the wholesalers and stuff and just tracking deals every day. Like that makes total sense. So that's cool. I'll just say guys, I, I am investing. So, um, <laughs> I, my buddy, Nick Pasco, um, I, I reached out to him and he is a programmer and he created my Louisville network for me. So the Louisville network, what that is Rob, for those that are no clue what that it's means. Super cool guys. So, um, Okay, so what I did is I have this really cool mailing list and I have a lot of out-of-state investors. So I already have a pretty good mailing list. But then since I had built all that trust with all those wholesalers for the six years, I signed an NDA with each wholesaler and then they sent me their buyers list. And so I had all these buyers lists coming in and I combined it to make one master list. And so my buyers list is 4,000 people in Louisville and then like out-of-state investors looking to buy here. So now, they go and submit their assignable contract and then it gets put on the website, goes out via text. Then I add a CMA, then it goes out to the mailing list of 4,000. Then people reach out to me to, for contact information, like how to get into the house and then they, or the property, and then they submit their offer on the website. So I created this like basically passive source of income, but it also sets me up for future success as a realtor because I get the relist. So I get to list the flips, or if they ever want to unload their portfolio ever, like I'll be their guy. 
And then now I have access to market to that 4,000 to come to my quarterly investor luncheons or join my Zoom calls or watch this podcast or whatever. So it, it's pretty powerful tool. Um, and so I created that. And so that's my like passive income source right now. And it's getting better because there's less buyers right now. So the wholesalers are seeing the need and value in it. Um, and it, that's been really good. And honestly, I could not have built it if I hadn't built the trust up for that six years. Because why would anyone ever give me their buyers list, right? I've never heard of anyone building or putting something together like you did, but it makes sense because it's value add for both sides. Mm -hmm. They're going to have more exposure to all their deals and <laughs> you're going to help move the deals and you can do both parts. So it's like, I, I only charge and I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm the same price all the time. So like, I'm not getting rich on one deal. It's more, I just do, a, I have to do a high volume to make any kind of money. So I charge $2,000 per deal and I only, it's only if it sells. So really there's, there's no risk involved. Right. Uh, so that was fun. And then, so we're still tweaking it. I, I want to get the buyers list up to 10,000 and it's, it actually cost me a lot more money to send it out to that many people because MailChimp has like limits and everything. And then the website. So it's, I don't know. I, I mean, it's been good and we rolled it out in November and we didn't sell anything in the beginning, like November, December, nothing. And then finally in January, I got two in the same day and then it's been, you know, pretty consistent one or two every week since then. So <laughs> So how does it typically work, Rob? You have this list of 4,000 people that could be buyers. And like, maybe this will just help people understand that are sort of new and they don't really understand how wholesalers and off-market deals kind of fit into sure. this scenario. So can you just walk through like how this system flows from the beginning of like a deal coming up? Where does a deal usually come from? And then mm -hmm. how does it trickle through a funnel and get out to these 4,000 buyers? And then what happens next typically? Okay, so first, I think it's important to understand what an assignable contract is. So normally, as a realtor, like if, if you wanted to see a property, we would write an offer on the house. But what happens is these wholesalers will go out and offer Joe Schmo, hey, I'll give you $40,000 for the house. Joe Schmo maybe needs money, is about to get foreclosed, whatever, and agrees to the 40. Then they go and submit the property on my website for 62000 So I would get my 2 k if it sells, and then they would make twenty. So what we're selling is a piece of paper. So like when you buy a lottery ticket, you're not buying the lottery, you're buying the ability to win the lottery. So when you buy a signable contract, you're getting the house with it, but you're really just buying the contract. And this is what, excuse me, allows all these people to like, they're not practicing real estate, they're selling real property, not personal, no personal property, not real property. Uh, or I might've reversed those, but uh, Harry Borders, uh, Borders and Borders locally has like vetted everything I do. So I'm legal. I used to have a bunch of realtors coming after me and the realtors used to hate me. And I think they're coming around to it because I, I didn't used to let realtors be on my list because I would always, what the way I used to do it is there would be the assignable contract and the wholesaler. And I would send a one-time showing agreement and look at them like a for sale by owner. But now if I want another realtor involved, you can't have two people representing the same buyer. It just gets right. weird. So now that they, now the realtors on my list can bring their buyers and then it looks like, Hey, I've got this off market deal and then they look cool. And so they're seeing the value in it too. It's cool. Hmm. It's like a, it's awesome. And so I'm kind of working on a book right now called uh, investors are scum. And it's kind of about this, how realtors can leverage investors and investors can leverage realtors. Interesting. So, Okay. The reason it's called, it, it's, you need a catchy title, but the reason is, no, no, uh, yeah. a lot of people, what? No, no, I got you. You do. You need something to grab a headline. Yeah. yeah so most people look at uh, investors like tilapia, like bottom feeders, but really they're like salmon. They're just swimming in a little bit of a different direction. 
And so I think the book can be great. I mean, Harry Borders gave me a very comp, like great compliment. He's, he's, he said, I already have started changing how they interact with each other. Like they used to just report each other and get them in trouble, but now they're seeing the value. Um, and so any realtor can do this in any market. Like I'm not special. You just have to be have a high level of integrity and then just be willing to respond quickly. And then, you know, yeah. Okay. Got it. So typically though, what happens is, so now a, a deal will go out to these 4,000 people. Mm-hmm. Who, who are these people and why are they on these lists and why they're, are they excited about these people that like have disposable income, p- people that want their wife not to have to work, people that don't want to work their job anymore, people that want to, um, I don't know, pay for their vacation. I'm not worried about that having to offset their mortgage. Um, I mean, a lot of them are just like younger people that have a ton of money, but they see that their money doesn't really go far in California. Like yeah. you can buy a quadplex in Louisville, Kentucky for fifteen hundred or $150,000 that brings in 2,200 a month. That's like a 1.4% return and right. uh, bigger pockets, David Green, they have a 1% rule. So you need to get 1% return on the money. So California people are happy with the 1%, but locals, they're like, I need a 1.25 a 1.4. And honestly, we're able to find it. Uh, right. So and then there's one other benefit. If you're a realtor and you, you want to maybe do something like this, those wholesalers. So what they're doing is they're getting properties at a really discounted rate. Well, not everybody wants to sell their house at a discounted rate. So what happens is since I help them out all the time and I'm, I'm just coming from contribution, if they can't get it under contract, they send it back to me and say, hey, these people want 80,000 market. Would, would you want to list it? So I go and get the listing. And I had a deal where two, two women in my office uh, interviewed for a listing and they didn't get it like in-person interview, but three wholesalers who had been to the house all recommended me. And I got the listing while I was on the phone. Like, I mean, like just the power of like the, the network, I don't know. And that anybody can do that. Yeah. hundred percent. But again, I haven't heard anyone do it like this. So it's really interesting, but it gives what I, what's cool about it is it gives both sides a very easy way or easy access to deals or to get things transacted. Like the wholesalers obviously want to find as big a buyer's list as possible. And the people that are out of state, they want to find as many deals as possible. So combining both sides, it is mutually beneficial. I mean, it does make it a little more competitive, but at the same time, maybe they wouldn't have seen those deals anyway. So it's like, why not? That's the thing. It's like, and yeah, and I control the process too. So I'm really, like all about transparency. So I literally, I, I don't put them in contact with each other. I keep them separate, like the buyer and the seller, but I take screenshots and copy and paste them. So everything, there's no gray, like there's no uncertainty. They all know exactly what the other one's saying. And I let them know that too. Like just because there's some people can be shady and if you're transparent, like no one can ever come back on you. Um, but the other thing that's really important for these out-of-state investors is you have to have the infrastructure. Like you have to have that great property manager that's going to mm. kick butt. You've got to have, you know, four or five GCs that they can send out there to get bids, FaceTime them so they can take a look. You have to have great inspectors, great title. I mean, it's, you have to have that infrastructure. Like if you don't have that, like it's hard to buy anywhere out of state. Um, yeah. hundred percent. So let's talk about that for a sec because um, when we met, I was, I was full-time in, in New York and that's still my, my primary, but tons of friends there that are in their W2 jobs. Um, I had a little bit of maybe a lucky or different type of experience that I lived in North Carolina for a couple of years. And then I was just house hacking every year. So kind of got exposed to it. But when I came back and then even my friends that are still there, just 
so curious and they, they don't know how to get in the game from out of state. They don't know where to start, but this seems like maybe an easier way for someone to get into the game out of state because one, there's opportunity for off market deals. You're getting better returns and there is this infrastructure that you talked about. So can you talk about like how you see the relationship going with out of state investors that you work with and like how an out of state investor that's listening to this can maybe consider getting into the game if they're just on the sidelines right now? Well, I think honestly, the first thing you got to look at is the, uh, the jobs that you have, like the big businesses. I mean, so it, what kind of infrastructure do we have? Like if we lose one company, is the whole town going to go dry up like the coal industry or something like that? So um, we have Humana locally. We've got the whole bourbon industry. We have Churchill Downs, you know, like horse racing. But honestly, if we legalize gambling, we're going to have a pretty good gambling spot too. I mean, that's going to be 24 hours a day, 352, is it? Yeah, a year. So it's going to be great. Um, we have Yum Brands with like Pepsi and uh, uh, the Kentucky Fried Chicken and Taco Bell and all that stuff. Um, and then we've got, what else? Uh, UPS is here and Amazon. And we're within six hours of 60% of the entire country. So we actually have some of the freshest seafood out there. And then there's this weird thing going on with like storage space between Louisville, Cincinnati, and Columbus. It's becoming this thing. So there's rumors that maybe we might get a, the Tesla bid for their trucking industry because, you know, we're centrally located. It'd be a great place to just save some time, I guess. So we have great infrastructure. There's nowhere to build in Louisville. So property values are going up. So you can expect 7,500 to 10,000 a year in appreciation, which is awesome. Uh, but we, we don't really have like competition. We lost so many builders in 2008. There's nowhere to build. So if they're going to build, it's going to be rural. So one thing is my neighborhood, I mean, there's so much turnover. There are like brick ranches and I mean, you used to be able to buy a house over here for 90,000, 80,000, and now they go up to 235. We have one pending a block and a half for 235. So you're seeing a crazy turnover. So that's happening everywhere in Louisville. So you're, you're not really looking for equity when you, you invest here, you're looking for cash flow, and you're gonna be able to cash flow. So we've like C areas that you can buy in like that, like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and after repair value, you can be like 110, 120, 130, 140. So, I mean, you should be able to cash flow at least 200 a month on on every property and that 200 month, maybe that covers your, your cell phone bill or, you know, your internet and cable. I mean, like if you look, break it down small, like you'll see it all adds up. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. So let's say an out of state investor is listening to this right now. So mm -hmm. like that, that all sounds great. Like good yeah. cash flow. They're, they're not investing for equity anyway. And like for those that are in expensive cities, there is no chance you're getting a 1% rule deal. And just like you alluded to, to summarize what that means, $100,000 property, in theory, very easy numbers, the rent would be $1,000. That's 1% rule. Above that would be better. So it just increases. It's not like a, a, like a definitive must have for this to be a good deal, but it's an easy way to check, okay, am I likely going to cash flow on this deal? So, okay, out, out of state investor listening to this right now, someone in New York, California, they're like, all right, Rob, this sounds pretty good. Sign me up what happens next? Or like, can you walk someone through listening right now of a cycle or start sure. to finish how they could get involved and then what it would look like to, tr to close a transaction and get a rental? So, okay. So I sent out two deals on the Louisville network today. Um, one is like a three, two, sing well, three, one and a half uh, single family. And they want a hundred K for it. It rents for a hundred and or 1000, sorry. 
and the lease is up July 31st, but you should be able to get about 1200 a month on that. So you should be able to get a 1.2% return. So essentially that deal went out, I sent it out with a CMA. So once you receive that, your big thing, you're gonna to go to rentometer.com and you're gonna put in the address, the bed bath count, and then it's gonna give you an idea of what things are renting for. You can always go to Zillow and uh, apartments.com and everything to, to look and see what else is rented uh, for what prices or whatnot. Then you're gonna run it by your property management company and see like, hey, is, you know, in your experience, is that what you're getting? Then if they're like, yeah, we're getting about that, that seems reasonable. Then you're going to see, all right, well, is it already rented? I mean, how much work do I need? Because you want to keep the work cost too under so you can hit that 1% rule. Um, so essentially, you would reach out to me for the combo. This one is not vacant. Uh, and there's Carl, all these- the combo, Rob? Uh, combo, combination lock, oh. um, like a lockbox. So, like, so I would basically give you a list of like five or six GCs as well. So you would reach out to them. They would go and bid it out for you, maybe FaceTime you, walk you through it. Um, and then usually like you've like been home like a hundred bucks or something like that. Um, and then I honestly, like I get so many calls asking me like, well, can you tell me about this? Part? I have no idea. So I try to put it on the wholesalers, like give me video pictures, like give me as much content as possible. Cause I have so many of these out of state people. So you like it. Uh, I write up the contract. They accept it. It's, I usually get it all verbally accepted. And then I just write it up and then we send it to the uh, title. Title will run, make sure there's not any liens and all that stuff. But conceivably, de depending on what type of money you're using, if it's like hard money, if you need to do rehab, which is like 10% down, 10% interest for at least three months, uh, but they pay for the rehab as well, which is nice. Um, or if it's cash, I mean, we can close in like three to 14 days. Um, but yeah, so the big thing is I already have the infrastructure. So you, you don't really, you just need to reach out to me and ask me who to talk to. Um, but it should be that easy. And then yeah. after that property management, like it's on them to kind of handle everything uh, unless it's a rehab then you have the GC yeah. um, but it's I don't know it's, it's pretty easy I mean That's like pretty straightforward honestly like the way you explained it that was very like high level but also that encompassed every step that someone would need to buy one of these I guess my only question hearing that because it's like you cover pretty much all the bases of what you would need like the deal the property manager the GC the tenant like this is pretty much all you need to check like 10 boxes to have a cash flowing rental. But my only question on that would be, are most of these typically already in rented or rental condition? Or, cause I could see an out-of-state investor getting hung up or stuck on doing work from distance or doing contract work from distance if they've never even done a rehab before. So like, what do you say to that? So another cool thing is like, I kind of know everyone doing everything at a high level in our market. Like I kind of know them because I go to everything. So. I, I can put out this thing, I call it the bat signal, where I say, hey, I've got someone looking for a property in a C area for you know, 80,000, they wanna get a 1.2% return. What do you have? And then they reach out to me and we already have something rented, we already have proof of concept because it's already happening. And then really, like, there's really not any risk. There. So we can do whatever. I mean, like, it's pretty cool. And um, so, oh, I almost got way off topic. Um, but yeah, it, it's, and here's the cool thing too. Um, we have, um, there, there's, Joe and I talked about this on the last thing, but there's plenty of deals on the MLS too. I mean, we just bought something, I want to say six months. So it's not just, but we bought a duplex in like a D area, like a pretty, like a good street in a D area for 60,000. Each side was rented for 750. So we're getting like over a 2% return and it didn't need any work. That was on the MLS for like 20 days. Like, 
I don't know, Joe Worth, he's got a flip that we're getting for 35. The after repair value is 120, and he probably needs 35. So, I mean, that was on the MLS. I mean, like, a lot of people think if it's on market, it's a bad, it's not a deal. We have great MLS deals. I mean, I'm listing something uh, Monday that the after repair value is 120, and I'm listing it at like 39,000. Wow. So I think it's going to go for like 46, 45. But like, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't think I'd be a good realtor if I was in a tight market, like Massachusetts right. or something. Like that. I think I have to be here. <laughs> no, no, no. hundred percent. I mean, you'd probably, you, you figure it out anywhere, but this is where you are. So it's a space you play in. But like, just on that, I meaning, cause that sounds really compelling. Just again, I want to like go through the, I'm ch- trying to check sure. or uncheck all the boxes of maybe potential reasons why someone out of state couldn't do this. So sure. that's, that's where I'm coming from with this because we just want to enable people. I want to empower people to work with you or work in your area to try to get a deal done. So like that deal, for example, an out-of-state investor is looking at that. They're like, okay, 39 grand. Maybe I can get fun. Maybe I can get uh, a loan for that. Maybe I can just plunk down and buy it with cash either or, but um, you know, I, I haven't know. seen this property. I'd assume it needs some work if, it, if we have that because we'd list it higher. If it didn't. Oh no, no, no. 100%. That's where I'm yeah. going. It's like, and then they're thinking, okay, and then I'm going to need repairs. So I'm going to need some GC walkthroughs and maybe they can give recommendations, but like, I don't know what to fix up to make this price go to whatever the ARV could be or should be. So like, what do I do then? I'm buying it for 40, but I have no clue what to do to make it worth a higher amount. It's like, what should I do? Uh, you should definitely read David Green's book, uh, the Burr, the Burr book, uh, and long distance investing. And you should read Jay Scott's, uh, estimating repairs, uh, which honestly I haven't read. Uh, but I did reach out to them about coming on my zoom call and David Green just agreed to come on one of my zoom calls. No way, that's but, awesome. Well, the problem is I was like, Hey David, like I have this, uh, zoom call and we usually get like 56 to hundred, but I was like, but we could use the national RIA call like their zoom. And it can host a thousand. He's like, a thousand's better. So now I feel obligated to get the national rate and pack it with a thousand people. So who knows? I'm working on it. Uh, but no, and uh, those are resources I would do. I mean, you're not, the areas you're going to be buying, if you're looking at cash flow, you're going to be in a C area. So you really don't need like granite in a C area. Uh, I mean, you're just going to try to tank proof it. So you're going to have like cartridge toilets. You're going to have like tile. You're, it's, it's all going to be foolproof. Uh, mm-hmm. And like, there's some people in our market that do that at such a high level too. And they sell properties that have already been tank proof in property manage them. Mm-hmm. So because they, they're making it really easy for them to manage because they're making it so well done, like upfront. So yep. they're new roof, new HVAC, new windows, everything. Because that's the point of the burn model. It's like you make it so you have no headaches for the next 10 years, ideally. And then by that time, it's appreciated where you're able to pay for those expenses again with some of your appreciation. But uh, 100%. That makes total sense. Okay. And then there's just one more that I have to ask before we move on. Just again, sure. checking all the boxes for sure, sure, sure. So, okay. They, through that type of approach, they can figure out what to fix up or not fix up. They can get educated on it. They could talk to the contractors in the area who can tell them exactly what type of finishes you need to match the setting and maybe be a little above it to get good tenants, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's all good. Um, safety. So they get a link sent to them or they get one from the Kentucky, the, the Louisville network. And they're looking at it and they're like, okay, maybe this only needs, you know, 10 or 15,000 to work. I can, I can handle that, but I, I don't know. Is this thing safe? You know, is anyone going to want to live here? So what do you say to those people? Uh, I would look up rentometer. Um, something cool about our market. Uh, don't let me get too far off on this, but uh, 
our schools are set up so you could live next door to one school and get bus two hours. So schools, ratings and everything, you don't, they don't affect your property values at all. Like unless you go out of like the metropolitan Jefferson County, then some areas have better schools and it's important or whatever. But here it, it doesn't matter where you live. So we don't have to worry about schools. So that's never really a factor. Um, now, if you understand how A, B, and C, D properties works, A is like the creme de creme, nicest areas, and you're never going to cash flow. You're, that's more of an equity play, but I wouldn't make equity plays here in our market. Um, and then B areas are like areas that are turning over C areas that could become Bs. Like, I don't know, we had this area, Shelby Park, that was like a C, some might call it a D. I had a client buy a house for 7000 from the city, put forty k in, and we just sold it for one fifty six. Like, People are making crazy money in that area. It's it's smart though. It like it connects the downtown. We all should have saw it coming. We're all idiots. Some people did though, but uh, there's just a lot of value at. I mean, it's awesome. But another thing is we don't really have any natural disasters. In 1937, we had a big flood uh, on the Ohio River, and it really knocked out like this whole part of town. After that, we haven't had any issues. So we don't have really tornadoes or earthquakes or anything. So it's one less thing you have to worry about in our market, which is kind of great. Um, but yeah, building and safety is important. Uh, it's also kind of a weird time with Corona right now because like we're, they're really not letting people into houses like that people live in. Uh -huh. So you're seeing more of a virtual thing. I've got two listings coming up this week that are vacant and we're, we'll, we'll let people into vacant houses. Like we don't have any issues with that, but the one that's lived in, it's like, man, you might have to buy it sight unseen and just go off the pictures and then get in during the inspection. And that's kind of how it's been with a lot of these wholesale deals too. Uh, I don't know. It's just a, the, the new norm, but like, I don't know, there's a lot of changes happening, but it's kind of cool. Um, I mean, I would always build in safety with the inspection contingency and financing contingency. Yeah. Unless it's cash. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that actually that, that if we're going to say like every single last thing that we, you can check off to make someone feel comfortable about doing a deal. Can you talk about offer contingencies? You hear it a lot from people mm -hmm. that are educated or been around the block. Um, what type of contingencies do you think, well, what are contingencies and what type of contingencies can someone make to protect themselves so they can get a deal under contract and then feel good about it when they actually close it? Okay. So I'm speaking just strictly for Kentucky right now because Indiana is crazy. So if let's say you wanted to buy a house on, in, on the MLS in Indiana. So you write an offer and then you have an inspection. You're like, oh, wow, this house is not great you are required to present a repair request. And if they agree to it, you have to move forward. Here in Kentucky, if I have a licensed inspector go through, I don't have to disclose if we liked it or don't. I could just say, hey, we're not doing it. And a licensed inspection here could be a termite, which is $50. So you could always just get a termite inspection, have your GC go through and be like, eh, not a great fit. Mm -hmm. So you, you build in that safety. So usually I would write it out a little longer than 10 days now and maybe do 12. I used to do seven. But the way everything is with Corona, who knows what's being slowed up. But so I always put like a 12-day contingency in saying, hey, we have 12 days to get in the property, inspect it, and get the inspection back. And if we don't like it, we can walk. So and then you're always going to have a good faith down. And it's usually like 1% of the total purchase price or like $500, a 1000 You need to have some skin in the game. Um, but it's funny, the wholesalers, they have a bunch of different contingencies. Like upon the approval of my business partner, they probably don't even have a business partner, but they put that in there and they can legally walk on a lot of stuff. So you gotta be careful. Uh, I mean, what you accept on your end. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, what I think our market's gonna be especially nice in like the next three or four months is people are able, like, able to pay their rent right now, but it's, 
who knows how long that's gonna last. So there's gonna be people that are selling off one house to pay like cushion the rest of their portfolio. So you're gonna see some movement. I don't know. I think our market's gonna rebound. We're just so insulated. We always say we're slow like a turtle, slow to rise, slow to fall. Whereas like the East and West Coast are predicated so much on equity. So it's just kind of scary. And that's why there's so many investors that are looking to invest here. I mean, taxes are ridiculous in New York and California, and then they're doing rent control. And I mean, we're not, fortunately, we're not really dealing with that, uh, but it's, it's pretty crazy. I love what Oregon did. Sorry, I'm so ADD. Oregon just made every single family home there a multifamily because they, they had su such an issue with finding working class people to like work at the hotels, work at the gas station, everything, because they were getting pushed out so far. And then they're like, we'll just work here. So it's a big thing in like uh, Seattle and Toronto and everything. So every single family home is a multifamily. So they can literally just throw a carriage house on. They already have the zone for it and they can rent it out or they can split out a single family. It's kind of smart. I think it was a really good move. Interesting. Did not hear that, but that's interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I'm glad you said that though about the inspections because that's something that I think there's just a lot of gray around and depending on who you ask, you get weird answers and just, to set the record straight, that should give any buyer that much more confidence to go about making offers and getting properties under contract and just putting in contingencies. And mm -hmm. guys, for any beginner investors out there, do not feel dumb about asking for contingencies or what type of contingencies you think you can put in this, uh, this offer. But let me, I will preface it by saying this, the more contingencies you have, the less attractive your offer looks because there's all these things that could blow the deal. But if it's what you need to feel comfortable, it can give you a get out of jail card, 20, 30, 40 days into a deal, depending how long it's taking to close. And you may only be on the hook for your inspection or appraisal, whatever you get done, which is good learning anyway. That's good money spent. If you do have to walk, I have walked from deals where I did lose the inspection fee, but you know what? I needed that inspection to learn that I didn't want to do this deal and the seller wouldn't budge on the, the request. So you can make or spending that four five hundred dollars up front to save yourself a lot of grief. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you can feel. I'll put it this way, guys. Like if you are still, you know, analyzing deals, and and Rob, I'm sure you see it all the time. Out of state analysis, analysis paralysis, analysis paralysis, analyzing deals for years and just letting them slip through. Two things. One, you have nothing to lose making low ball offers. I mean, you, unless you're being ridiculous, you have nothing to lose and you're going to get experience. And two, if you do get an offer accepted and you panic, that's not a bad thing because one, you're not on the hook for anything yet. You can yeah. put a deposit down and you can walk away anytime. So it's, it really is very, I don't want to say riskless, but you have so much freedom with it that you can walk away and you're not- The $500 yeah, exactly. And you know, the one thing on that though, I have heard people say like, Oh, I don't want to let my, my realtor down or my banker down. You got to do whatever's best for you. And you know what? People will respect that. And if they don't, they're not your realtor that you want to work with anyway, unless you're being ridiculous. But if you're, you're, you're worried and you don't think it's a good deal, no realtor or banker is going to hold that against you. And that's why I talked about the difference between a new agent and an agent that like is pretty more, a little bit more experienced because they're going to do everything they can. To, to keep you in that deal because that's their, their living. But I mean, if you're doing enough deals, like I said, not one deal is not going to kill you. Yep. So it's important. And my, uh, one of my clients, Brett Grigsby, he gave me this phrase about like indecisive squirrels. The road is paved with indecisive squirrels. So don't be an indecisive squirrel. So, I mean, I, I think it is good to just jump in and then like, cause a lot of my clients, they just regret they didn't do it. Like 
10 years earlier. But. Yeah, 100%. Um, one, one last thing just on working with out-of-state investors. So like sure. uh, you're busy and <laughs> you don't have the bandwidth to speak with 20 new out-of-state investors, especially if they're not fully qualified and ready to act. So mm -hmm. for someone that's, let's say, you know, maybe listening to this right now and they're like, okay, I want to be in relation with Rob. I want to start getting access to his deals. I want to even try to work on some of his deals, but he's busy. And you know what? I'm sure you would even say you don't have time to get on calls with all these people. You're doing tons of stuff. So yeah. like if someone maybe can't get in touch with you or listening, how, what, do you, what advice do you have for them or how can they work with you or your team or network, you know, to do deals? So the cool, I, I think I'm like kind of the laziest realtor out there. Uh, so I do take those calls and I do like that. Well, okay. So I have that new video on out of state with, with Joe Worth. I'm going to send that out all the time because I really break down why our market's so awesome, what zip codes I like, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of wish they would all watch the video before they called me just because I could knock out so much of it. But um, I have the same call four or five times a week. I tell the same story, like I have the same jokes. They like, I just don't want people to like, I want people to empathize and relate to me because I, I, I think it's fun, but yeah, it, does, it gets repetitive a little bit. But the big thing is once I'm on that call with you, I find out what you're looking for, what you want. I set you up on a commercial drip, an MLS drip. I send you a link to the Louisville network. Then you can start analyzing the deals. I'll introduce you to the property management, all the GCs, everybody. So you have all the tools to analyze every deal. And so if you see one you finally like, then you reach out to me. Like, yep. And so I think I have like 10, well, I wouldn't say 10,000. I have at least a thousand fishing lines out right now. And then randomly. So that's why every day I wake up like, what deal is going to happen? Because someone's getting an email this morning and like, oh, this one's good. Like, so I don't know. It's never a waste of my time. It's, it's easier right now because I have nothing to do. I have a link in my email signature and kind of all over the place called you can book me and you click on it and my schedule is tied to it. So if I'm busy, it blocks out those times. But so anybody can schedule a time. It's, I don't know. I, I think it's fun and I don't know, but I, it, it gets to be a lot sometimes because it's like someone hears about Louisville and then like I get so many calls in one week. Uh, right. And that's, that's, yeah, that's okay. Tangent. That's how I got started with working with David Green from Bigger Pockets. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your relationship with David or how did you guys connect? Okay. So shoot your shot guys. Um, I've got two good shoot your shots uh, stories. Please so love this. I um. I'm real aggressive about posting what's going on in our market. Like all the time, like if I see something that I think is interesting, I'm like, hey, this uh, new beer garden is really going to improve property values over here. Uh, and then, or hey, according to statistics, if you get a new coffee shop within one mile of your house, it's going to increase your property value by 10,000. There's a new coffee shop going in in this part of the city. So I do that. And then, so instead of having to tell all my clients individually, I just started posting it in one spot. So all these people, we're listening to bigger pockets and David never even mentioned Louisville, but everyone heard Louisville. So I picked up nine new clients, eight from California, one from Illinois in one week. So finally I was like, how did you hear about me? And so I reached out to David and I said, Hey man, you generated a ton of business for me and you didn't know it. So I went out to California and I hosted a happy hour with them in November, not this past year, but the year before. So I brought property management, title company, a lender, and I brought 37 million in off-market properties, like uh, REITs of assignable contracts. And, um, and it went well. And I, can I say that? Dave said, hey, everybody here thinks you're full of shit because they didn't believe our numbers. And so Reynolds, one of the title attorneys that I brought out there, I was like, Reynolds, tell them about your townhouse. She bought it. Uh, and three years later, she made like 56K on it, like equity just from 
mm. sitting there. Like, and people didn't believe it. Like we're getting 30% returns. Like to get um, uh, like a 1% or a 10 cap, like they would have to, they couldn't do that anywhere in California. They would get like a, a, a five cap in uh, Compton. And he's like, so they couldn't believe it. And so I, I picked up a ton of business from going out there and uh, I still talked to him. He sent me the Burr book and everything. And uh, so he, he sends me about two or three referrals every week. That's awesome. Yeah, there's one other shoot your shot. What was that? Okay, so this one's a little weirder. And if you're not from Kentucky, you won't get it as much. But there's this website called Kentucky Sports Radio. And it was this little blog started by Matt Jones. And it was just a blog and it had the word radio in it, which is kind of funny. But it grew. And it's getting like about 200,000 clicks a day on this blog about UK sports. And so they have this radio show. And it's the number one most listened to radio show about Kentucky basketball in sports, just in general. And it's every day, two hours, 10 to 12. Well, the co-host is this guy named Ryan Lemon, and he's an agent in Lexington. And I was like, shoot, I'm going to reach out to him. He's on, he's, everybody's tuned into him every single day. I was like, I'll just introduce myself. So I was like, hey, Ryan, uh, you don't know me, but, uh, you know, I'm a big UK fan. Do you have anybody looking to buy in Louisville? Like, I'm, I'm happy to help. And I, I sent him a couple referrals for Lexington. Well, everyone knows him. So for every referral I send him, I'm getting like five back because people reach out to him from all these random caps and no one had reached out to him. No one had reached out to Dave Green. David is like, it's, he's the host of a, the number one podcast about investing in the world. And no one had reached out to him. It's crazy. And so, I don't know, shoot your shot. And I'm just like this short, fat guy from Louisville, that lives in Louisville. And like, I don't know, I just took a risk because what's the worst thing? They could say no, right? hundred percent. Nothing to lose. I have love that, man. I, I can relate to that a hundred percent. So those are two awesome stories. And I didn't really know how you and David kicked off, but you have nothing to lose. So that's just cool. awesome, man. And then guys, and then leveraging that. So one thing I talked about is uh, I'm on the board at Korea now. So I, our, our local RIA, and we've got like 730 members. And like I said, I barely got voted in. I almost, I guarantee it. But I work with all the people on the board now, like, and I, I associate with them and I learn from them. And so people think I'm like pretty well versed and like, and I am now at this point, but like David Green, I would, I could name drop him when I was at the bigger pockets conference and everyone trusted me right away. Like, Oh, I work with David and they're like, Oh, cool. And I got their card and then I added them to my database and now they buy in Louisville. Like you can leverage, like it's all about who you know. And hundred percent. You're not making that up. I mean, you're, and, and well, a couple of things. One, you're, you're not making it up. And like some people that wouldn't make it up, that's just instant credibility loss. But also you're then, you're following it up with value. So like you're expanding on something that you've, you've earned and created by working with David and getting a relationship with him. And then you're parlaying it for other stuff, but then you're also bringing value on top of it. So like people that then connected to you, you're not spamming them. You're not trying to sell them crap. You're just literally trying to bring them deals, connect them with stuff, and then be a resource for them if they want to invest in Louisville. So it's like, why not? And I think it just, it's not that big of an extra step, but the amount of business that comes from it for you, I can't even imagine. Well, it's, it's awesome. And just think about this. Every realtor is sending you emails. Hey, don't forget to wind your clock back, you know, spring forward, fall back. And like, no one gets any of those emails from me. Nothing. All they're getting from me is like, Hey, here's a potential deal. Go take a look at it. If you're interested in that zip code, like, yeah, I'm in their email a lot, but it's all value add. That could be their next great deal. That could be whatever. Like, I never spam or say, Hey, come to the zoom call where you can listen to Frank Miller. Who's way smarter than me talk. And then 
it's just all value add. And that's, then I'm, that's a good tip. Treat your clients great too. Like the Easter egg stuff, like, I don't know, happy hours. Like I just like hanging out. Like what, what is the Easter egg in the Chipotle thing before we move on? So, I mean, I just, I, I meet my clients for Chipotle like Monday through Friday. Like at, you'll run into me at, at Chipotle. It's one of the two. And like, and it's, think about it though too. Like some meetings are less fun than others, but like it's yeah. organic, it's free range. They buy local, you pay early on. It's relatively cheap. And like, I don't have to wait for a check. So I can have long meals. I can have short meals. I can fit everyone's diet. Like it's, it's kind of a no brainer. And now they have a point system. Um, and then my clients were like stuck inside, you know, for coronavirus. So I went and started chucking Easter eggs full of like candy and stickers and stuff for all the ones that had kids. And then I put like my favorite beer out in front of theirs and then ran away. Like I didn't even tell them it was me. So some of them won't even know that it was me who did <laughs> But in, in areas that were like in like more like hip areas, like I told them because I didn't want them to think random people put candy for their kids out in the yard. But no, but like just stay. And I, I did a post about, um, so I, I had this rule and I'm not sticking to it where if I buy a record, I have to get rid of a record. And I didn't. So I have 10 records I was sitting on. So I did a post like, hey, who has a record player? Post your address. And then I went and dropped off the, the random records at their houses that I used to enjoy and, just like little small things. It doesn't cost a lot of money. I handwrite birthday cards for everyone's birthday. I mean, I don't know. I think that's yeah. stuff important. It's like all these little things that they're, they're easy to do. They're easy not to do, but they make such a big difference. And mm -hmm. like people, they, they remember it. And even more so like what you just said about constant value add, like that's definitely the theme of this conversation and just your like way of doing business. Like if you're sending someone an email, like you're, you're never even like asking them to do something. You're just, Oh, here's some value. Like no ask, like no sell, no nothing, like take it or leave it. Like that's what people want. And I think that is something that people could listen to you and take into their business because it's such an easy thing. Just bring people value and not ask for anything and keep doing that. And then people will come to you when you have something and they'll come back to you and they'll remember you for that as opposed to any other pushy or, whatever. Like you're not cold calling. You're not door knocking, like nope. not uphill for you. You are just putting value out there and stuff just comes in and the phone rings. And I yeah. remember when we were together, you're like the phone rings. I have no clue how they even got my number, but Hey, whatever. Like they want to do a deal. Yeah. And it, and it feels good. And like, it's kind of stress-free. Like I never know what my day is going to hold. And that's kind of cool too. Like some days it'll be packed. Some days I won't have anything, but you don't stress. Like if you're not prone to stress, like it's a really cool lifestyle. I've got a, um, the, I guess two little baby life hacks. Um, one, do that you can book me thing in the bottom of your email signature. Because if you make yourself available to people, like they don't, they'll actually talk to you. Like people like build you up or like want, like think that like, oh, I'm going to bug them. Well, if you tell me we're going to talk at four o'clock the next day, like I can brace myself for a four o'clock call. <laughs> so, but another thing that I do, and people know that I do this now, so anybody can do this, but on birthdays, I don't put happy birthday on anyone's like Facebook. What I do is I go to YouTube and I find weird birthdays where it says like, happy birthday, Rob. And I find the weirdest happy birthday, Rob video. And then I post that on their Facebook. And then they like, it's one they actually respond to. They actually notice it. It's weird. And then you have a weird video. And like, when I don't do it, people get weirded out. Like they're like, I didn't get my birthday YouTube post this year. And I drop off. Have you guys heard of the peach truck? No, I don't know what that is. So there's, there's this peach truck out of like Nashville, Georgia. And it's called the peach truck and it was featured on USA today and like a bunch of cool things, uh, Southern living. So what I do is 
I wrap up like five or six peaches. I well, I have to wait in line for these peaches. And I, last year I bought 400 pounds of peaches for my clients. And I, I box up four or five, I put a recipe on there and then I make a peach pun like buying and selling your house can uh, be the pits. Thanks for being a peach throughout the process. And right. then I tell them why these peaches are cool. And then I usually have like an unpaid intern and they'll literally spend four days dropping off all the peaches to all my clients. But like little stuff like that, like when I don't drop off the peaches, they're like, hey, where's my peaches? Like it makes them think of you and it's, it costs like 300, 400 bucks. Like it's worth the money. Like, yeah, and that's something that like, I mean, you can't even quantify it because it's just part of your brand. But like you could get 10 deals from just doing these little things that stand out that cost like a fraction of a deal and they're just like time and energy and like that a deal could be like 10 or 20 grand and this is costing you maybe like a percentage of that tiny so it's it's like a no-brainer but it's worse because worse you were nice like you did something nice i feel good when i make other people feel good like i love connect i don't know it's just i don't know it's easier to walk through the day when you're just like just being so nice and trying to be nice and i don't know 100 percent i used to i used to be a piece of crap like i'm just sleep apnea getting carried was like game changer yeah so what, what what's going on in your life that's like holding you back that you just don't notice like go address it how did you know sleep apnea i mean i think you kind of gave one example of how you found out it it was fixed After the like, fact. how did you know before because maybe people out here right now that's this is a random thing that well i was i would fall asleep like instantly i would fall asleep at red lights trains train stop i would fall asleep sometimes like oh my, my friends called it my superpower because I, I would be asleep. I would, I would fall asleep playing video games. Like they're like, I'd be talking to them on my phone and be just asleep. Like, and like, I, I knew that wasn't normal, but I was like, Oh, I'm fine. I, and I, I was so poor as a new realtor. I was like, I'm not spending money on stuff. And, uh, but getting that, that was such a weight loss. Like I, I, it was so easy to lose weight. Apparently like if you're having a hard time breathing, it's like you're at high altitude, like in Colorado or something. And so your body holds onto the weight or something like that. So like, I don't know, it was a game changer. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I slept walked through 12 years of my life and now I'm like making up for lost time. Like I could have been such a better student. Like, I don't know. Yeah. hundred percent. No, that's okay. That's a random thing. I haven't really heard that one before, but maybe there's someone out there. I, I can't imagine anyone being doing that and going through life and then not getting it checked. But if you are, maybe go get a check. Maybe you get a check. You, if, yeah. Maybe you're thinking of it and you just didn't notice it a long time ago, but yeah, it's a real thing. Um, yeah. I did the, I did a post about it like that the, the morning with, and uh, the, my mother's club, I have this group of moms and we, we grab lunch. It, I'm the founder of mother's club. I also have a type one diabetes club and I don't have type one diabetes. I just have a lot of clients that randomly have it. So we get together and grab beers and huh. my moms, we go together, together and grab lunch. But uh, they said it was the most tasteful post about morning whatever. It had like 200 likes about morning wood. Yeah. Who knew, guys? We'll share it out. We'll make sure people see that. If it's done, everything in the right light is okay as long as you do it tastefully. 100%. I love it, man. And wait, just before, because I feel like we, we, I can't move on from some of these things that they're just like good value. You've started a bunch of groups. So, like, what groups are you a part of? Or what are these groups? How did you start them? What do you recommend for people that are starting groups? Well, okay. So, my, my buddy Luke and Raphael, they started that real estate meetup that you went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I know Raphael. And it's, it's blown up. It was like 20, 30, 40 people. And then I think we've got, like, it's topped out at like 120. Well, I support that group all the time. Like, I, I share the Facebook posts. Like, I'm always there. And I look at it as like a, an opportunity to hang out with my clients and my friends. 
And I started a less cool group called Choose FI, which is, there's a podcast about like choose financial independence, the FIRE movement, um, financially independent, retire early. And I was like kind of getting bored talking about real estate because like I talk about it all the time. So I wanted to learn about something else. So I started the group and uh, my, my uh, friend Colleen and I, we host that. And it's like 30, 40 people max, but uh, I just, it's something different, but I have that group. I've got my Chipotle group. I've got a dog walking club where me and all the younger wholesalers, we walk our dogs on Thursday mornings at the park. And like, we've gotten as early as five, but our new time is like eight o'clock. We do two laps around, which is like a little over a mile. And we just, it makes me feel like I have to read and listen to podcasts because they're all sharing all their cool stuff. And they're so like, the world is mine. I can take it. And I believe them, they're killing it. But uh, it's just, I don't know, creating excuses to hang out. And like, I'm learning so much from these people. And then like, I have these clients who are like, making crazy amount of money off of um, this Airstream they bought for $12,000. They can rent it out for a week for 900. So they're basically getting a 10% return for one week and they can use it whenever they want to. And uh, so now I can tell my other clients about it because I hung out with them and they told me about it. So there's so many, so many different ways to make money and I'm learning little things all the time. And like, I don't know, it's cool. I mean, surround yourself in that community. So I, I Rob, I, I, can't move on now before asking something else because you brought it up because these wholesalers, right? Like, so yeah. I think we have a pretty good idea of what your day to day is. Like you have these amazing funnels and this outreach and value add constantly and it's bringing a lot of deals and then you're, you're transacting a lot of deals. And maybe we could just touch on real quick of what your like current day to day and your businesses are. But for these yeah. wholesalers, you're with them and you're talking to them. A lot of people listening to this and just in real estate today, that they're maybe trying to take in some of that marketing themselves. So like you're friends with a lot of wholesalers. So what tips or advice do you have for someone that's looking for off market deals? If they're looking to do marketing directly, like any tips from these wholesalers of how they're finding their deals? Well, each market is different. Like right now, I guess Pennsylvania and like Illinois, you can't even wholesale anymore. You have to get like a realtor's license to do it. Like, so there's legislation happening in certain States. Um, but like they, they do direct mail to like um, probate, um, you know, if, if someone, you know, they, some of them will track like the obituary, some of them will track for pre-foreclosures. I mean, driving for dollars, just driving around looking for houses that look a little dilapidated. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times they'll go after big LLCs that have a lot of properties in their portfolio and try to get them like, hey, do you have anything vacant you want to unload or whatever? Now would be a great time to do that. Um, I don't know. They, they go after four sale by owners like on Zillow and I, I don't know. They're doing like all kinds of stuff. Deal machine. Maybe that was the other one. You don't have to spend a ton of money. Like everybody thinks like you have to spend money and make money. Yeah. You don't have to, you can just spend a little bit of time. Like I, I picked up a sign. I had uh, three closings this week. So I had to pick up two signs and I sell two houses and I sent it to um, my friend that I, I think we're going to do a little bit of business together. And I was like, Hey, here's the address in the house. Like, and it took me two seconds and now we'll just shoot him a handwritten card and then we'll keep doing it for to like 30 houses for like six months. And then, you know, probably get three or four deals from it. Ultimate. If not, I'll get the, the listing at least. And then I'll put that money back into the business and scale it. I mean, I don't know. Side, these side hustles are kind of cool. I mean, Rachel Richardson, I, I was just um, sitting through Luke and Raphael did a virtual one. And Rachel Richardson, who we used to work together like a long time ago, um, she has she had a list of like 28 ways to create passive income. Wow. She brought up two and I was like, those are really good. Like, why isn't 
why, why isn't everyone doing these things? So check out her book. She has a book called Money Honey. Uh, it's really good. And then she has a new one. I don't know what the new one's called. I'm blanking on it. But Money Honey, I mean, it was number one bestseller on Amazon. She killed it. Wow. And she works with Raphael or she just... No, she was just on their, um, oh, their she Zoom call. She actually oh. just moved to Arizona uh, recently, but she's got about 35 doors. She used to work for uh, Bossilla is what she was saying on the call huh. and uh, just decided like need to get out of that situation and create a better life for herself. Cool. All right. I got to check it that out. It might be good to bring on Ra Rachel Richards. I can give you her contact. She'd be great for this. All right. We'll get her on. Okay. That's cool, yeah. man. Um, all right, Rob, I feel like we could go for a long time, man. You got a yeah. lot of just like great nuggets, but just for the sake of your time and to, to try to tighten sure. things up a little, you yeah. mind if we just go to, we have a little rapid fire wind down, just talking oh, about sure. this stuff. Um, so most of these are the same, but I have one episode for you. Actually, my brother said, I needed to ask this talking to you. What is your favorite Chipotle item? Mm. I'm like, okay, so I'll just tell you what my bowl is. So yeah, I found out, uh, I found out brown rice makes me fart or brown, uh, brown beans. So I go white rice, light white rice, light pinto or brown beans or black beans. Sorry. Uh -huh. um, then I look at the meat and I look for shiny. Whatever one's the most shiny is probably the most fresh. So I pick that one and usually do double meat. Then I go, uh, wow, it's been a while since I've been able to sit and go through. I go um, tomatillo. Uh, I do corn, sour cream cheese, lettuce, guac. And it's like a lot, guys. So I try to split that over two meals. And then if I'm on carbs, you know, like I am because I did rice and beans, I'll do chips, but a kid's chip and then Diet Coke. Because Chipotle at one point was owned by McDonald's for a very brief time. So they have the number two Diet Coke in the city. So it's, it's a real treat. And I, I'm literally there. I, my CPA called me and said I went 99 times last year. And that doesn't include the times when my like clients would buy for me or I got had gift cards. And it's funny, I, I changed like Chipotle to my header on Facebook. And I stopped getting all these like, thank you, like coffee gift cards from all my clients. And it all started being Chipotle. And I was like, wow, a little small thing, game changer. That's so funny. It's, it's an interesting idea. So, all right, that's cool though. But the way that you streamline everything there. And I like what you said about them. You pay up front so you don't have to wait on a bill and you can end the meeting as quicker as Whenever you want. Oh, I've got to head to this thing or I got to take yeah. this. I don't really do that very often, but it yeah, is. You have sometimes you have like, I'm, I'm the analytical people that like move really slow. Like, I, I don't like to be salesy and I don't like to make them do anything they want to do, but I also like, it's a waste of my time if they'd ever jump. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, like the people that I like, I go to Chipotle with a ton. They're just like so cool. Like some of them I have like their wife's a realtor and like, I, like I don't get any business, but like, it's just fun talking shop. Like we just talked about like infinite banking at the last time uh, we had Chipotle and like, it's just cool to get your brain spinning on stuff that you're not, like that's how ideas happen. hundred percent. All these groups that you're a part of, it's cool, man. It elevates your thinking. So, uh, all right. That, that's a good segue into actually the first question that I typically sure. ask, which is about groups and people you hang around, masterminds, that sort of stuff. Like there's a lot of talk out there about being around the right people. So how do you look at it? Like, it seems like you're a part of a lot of these groups. Any advice for someone listening and they're trying to get better networked in real estate or maybe have a mastermind or a coach or something just to be around the right people? Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah. So if you're going to start a meetup, I would partner up with somebody that's already really well established and then that'll lend you credibility and you can kind of piggyback off that until they respect you on your own accord. Um, definitely join the local RIA. We've got, I, I literally was at like six networking events, like actual events, not including Chipotle and all that stuff. Like there, there's tons of stuff out there. And then like you become friends by seeing the same people over and over. And then the big thing is just keeping a high level of integrity because if someone has something bad, to, you're, you're going to hear about it. Like, mm -hmm. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, um, and pick something that you're actually knowledgeable in. Like, I don't know, like I started a fantasy football league and it got me in with all these young realtors that are kicking butt and they're not like competitive, like with me, like, because they're all doing like luxury and stuff, but it's great for me to know those people because they refer me in commercial deals or investors that they don't want to deal with. And then I just throw them into that pool and set them up on drips. And then they reach out to me whenever they want to buy. It's, it's awesome guys. There's it's cool. But um, yeah, hundred percent value. Add put, that yeah. might be the theme. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's awesome on networking. So uh, you, like, Rob, you're busy. Like you have a ton of things coming in. People can book your calendar. You're doing a ton of networking events. You're doing showings. So like, is there any way or system that you use to plan your weeks and days to make sure that you're getting the right stuff done that needs to be getting done? I didn't keep a calendar until like three years ago, um, which is when my business started taking off, ironically. Um, actually, I'm not busy. Like even like it's like I have those events and that's really it. I don't even really show houses because if you think about it, most of my clients are writing offers on like, uh, off-market properties are like multifamily. So they're usually tenant occupied. And so we usually write the offer and then they'll get the inspection and they'll have their GC go through. So, and then same with off-market, all my stuff's off-market so they can, I can send them the combo and they can go look at it. So I think I've only shown, even before the crowd, I would show like six houses a month, like total. Wow. That's in my, and those are my traditional buyers that are just like my friends. So like, I really don't show. So it's, I'm the weirdest realtor out there. I guarantee it. Um, no, I mean like, I don't know. It's weird. Like right now I look at my calendar and my next thing is like the Thursday dog walking club. Like I don't have anything on my calendar. So it's, I don't know. Right now is a weird time to ask it, but I don't know. I just try to make sure I get out of the house once a day. Like, yeah. 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 COVID-19 different times, like yeah, yeah, not yeah. having, not having stuff, but even so that's crazy interesting about what you're just saying about the showings and like the system that you've built to not have to be in person for all the time mm -hmm. suck crap that most realtors feel like just choose away at their whole day. Like you have a system that you don't actually have to be there for most of the time anyway. Like yeah, I was I in Belize, um, Harry Borders. So I had a kind of a bad breakup with my business partner. It was just real sad. Like it, it just made me sad. And so Harry's like, Hey, do you want to go to Belize? Harry Borders is like the premier uh, title attorney in our market. And he's like, do you want to come build this house with me in Belize? And I was like, sure. And so I went out there and I sold three houses when I was in Belize. Like I didn't, I don't, like, I don't have to do anything. Signs, lock In off. Louisville, not in Belize. No, no yeah, no, not in Belize. Uh, we built one house while we were there, but in three days, kind of crazy, super cool. But um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's kind of cool. I, like, I, that gives me time to like write the book or work on the, the app or whatever. So I don't know. Um, yeah. One thing, like, I guess that I've done, like, I, if we're going to make the theme value add. So in our local market, like uh, we had our board meeting right before they started like killing everything with the Corona, like no more live events. And I was like, guys, we need to push, like, this is the time we need to roll out as much content as possible because, you know, everyone's going to feel disconnected. They're not going to be able to hang out, whatever. So I started this thing called uh, see you at noon and it's a zoom call and it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Currently, I don't know how long I can sustain that many days, but I bring on prominent people in our market or out of state and we'll talk about random topics and we get 50 to hundred people every call. And then we're getting 20 to like 150 views like the next couple of days on YouTube. So we're getting a lot of content out there and it's a good way to associate myself with all these people. I'm learning from all these people and then I'm actually smart because I'm learning from them. So it's good value add. I mean like staying in front of your clients is just half the battle. You want people to think of you right away. And yeah. I mean, I have these clients, I just sold a house lot, uh, two weeks ago where these people remembered me from five years ago at the dog park. And I became friends with them separately. And then I found out they were married to each other, which is crazy. 
And then I ran into him. She was pregnant at, at, at the plant store. I gave him my card and said, we should grab drinks or whatever sometime. And then they referred me their brother uh, or one of their brothers, brother-in-law too. And uh, like that was from five years. So like you just got to open yourself up to connecting to people, I guess. Um, yeah, I think that's important. I forgot the question. hundred <laughs> percent. No, you crushed the question. All good. Uh, all right. So you have like, you have these big lists, you have a lot of deals going on, you have just a lot of things going on. So are there any apps, tools, CRM softwares that you use every day to manage all this and stay organized? Uh, my buddy uh, made the, uh, the Louisville network. Um, honestly, I'm on Reddit all the time. Uh, and I, ju- I subscribe to like the Louisville subreddit. And uh, I try to just know everything that's going on around town. So I read the newspaper. I actually like subscribe to the newspaper now, uh, but I, I go to all those websites and it, I do it three times a day. I like go through and look and see what the new stuff, because if, if people will check my page if they think I have some value add. So I try to create as much great content as possible. You can't always say, oh, I sold three houses. I still say that because you want to show evidence of success, but it, it's a balance, right? Uh, let's see. Um, I'm on Reddit. What about a CRM? You have one? I don't use one. I mean, like really, it's, no, I know. It, I know, man. It's really, I, I've got the mailing list. Um, and I just mail out to the, for, for the, um, for the off market deal. So that's my database, but I, I have a, I have a, a assistant that like tracks my current deals and what's coming up and all that stuff in sales. And so I got, I'm very not your normal realtor. You know? I, I cannot, what do you use for email? Um, I use Gmail and I have a Google like a domain, like okay. for, for all that stuff. Uh, but I, I use the, you can book me thing has been really powerful for my business. Um, I, I don't and know. And then you're using MailChimp for your mailers. Is that linked yeah, to Google sheets or something else? It's connected to some, well, really I just downloaded everyone's, Oh, sorry. Nugget for new realtors every morning when I first started real estate, I would go on LinkedIn and I would go to people you can know and I would click until I couldn't find someone within 10 seconds. So count down 10 seconds. And I would do that every day. And you mean adding me people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, that helped me build my database of 1200. And so you could start marketing to them as like normal people. So it's just an easy way to build your database. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, dude, I'm so weird. And no, no, just, it's really interesting. Cause I think what it's showing people is, you don't have to be as conventional and like, okay, here are the steps you take as a realtor. Like you can build these other systems and these networking things that it becomes, I think about it a lot more like this, Rob, like you're doing a ton of marketing and brand building instead of sales. And that way the phone rings for you instead of you having to make the phone ring or call people. And it's like, for some people, they could be amazing at what they do. They just don't like picking up the phone and cold calling. That doesn't make them bad at what they do. Yeah. It just means maybe they'd be better if the phone rang and they were creating a brand and marketing like you're doing, and then they can bring value to that many more people. So that's kind of, I think about it like marketing and sales. You've just done an awesome job marketing. So that's the difference. Well, that's, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> no, but seriously, like it is, and, and you're putting a lot of value out there. So it's, it's, it's just, it works. So no, anyway, it's all good, man. And, and tools and stuff. It, it, it's good. Hey, people need to know. Sometimes you need tools. Sometimes you don't. Um, all right. You touched on, uh, ways you stay educated. Uh, it sounds like you have one assistant. What are the main tasks? The question is typically around like virtual assistants or leverage or assistants. So what's the, what's the main purpose or help that she brings you? So David Green, I, I like, I had this really great talk with him and he just says, he talked about how he leveraged so much. 
And so I literally, I'll write the offer. I'll do the repair request. I don't touch the deal at all after that. Like I don't do anything else. Like you always talk to my assistant, like for anything like, and then that keeps me free to answer the phone when someone needs a comp or whatever. So I just try to make myself available all the time, which means I get bored too. But like I make people, I call people and make them talk to me too, like my friends. Um, but yeah, she, she doesn't really do that much for me. I, I pay her like a thousand a month and a bonus if I hurt, hit a certain amount of sales. Yeah. And uh, that's it. And I, I don't ask a lot for her because I want her to be happy. Like she has a normal job now uh, as well. She works for a nonprofit and uh, we just, we get along really well. How did you find her? And I also heard you mention before, I don't know if this is like part of your like team or your system, but unpaid interns, is it like- Oh, or This was one of the smartest things I've ever done. So I've had like three interns. Um, I made my last or two intern ago, I made them sign me up for every internship program within 200 miles. So every university program, every two, I, I, so I get so many applicants. So I, I too, now I give them to my clients, my wholesalers like, Hey, I've got a few interns that I can't take. Do you want them? And I give them their information. I give them to other realtors. Like, so now I'm a value add to all these random people. Oh my God. Yeah, it's That's really awesome. cool. And it doesn't they put, you, she put you on lists of what colleges that if they need an internship, you'll give them one for real estate and kind of show them the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Wow. And it's free. Is that and how you found your assistant now? No, no, no. So one of my um, close friends, her name's Teresa Wallace. She reckoned she, they were, she was too close to my, my friend Colleen and she didn't want to work with her directly, but she knew that we were hiring. And so she referred And like, we get along so well, like today, like yesterday, like I talked to, FaceTimed with her while she was on a walk and uh, I was in my hammock. She's like, I should probably get one. So I sent her one that like an hour later. So she'll have it tomorrow. Of course it's raining, but like, and I do, I, I do that for all my clients too. Like I sent, sent yeah. them, they, they mentioned they like the hammock. So I've sent like four hammocks out today. I sent out two bird. I sent out two hummingbird feeders to two of my friends and clients as well, because they mentioned, Oh, I'm, I, I put up a hummingbird feeder uh, yesterday. I said, Day one, no hummingbirds will keep you posted on, on Snapchat. And they're like, oh, I can't wait to follow this. And then I said, I want to follow theirs now. So I sent them the bird feeders too. Like little small thing. You, like if you can do something nice, just do it. Like 100%. And that, Rob, that's the theme of the whole episode. One last thing just on uh, the assistance. Like does she have access to your email? Is she emailing on your behalf? Or is she just helping you with like pull comps or like whatever? She can watch it, but she doesn't ever email from my email. Got it. Um, More yeah. like administrative stuff. Scheduling. She handles everything. Like, so I never know anything about my deals because she's handling it all. I mean, she gets, she gets better reviews than I do. Like people love her. She's so cool. She's awesome. All right. That's cool. All right. That's awesome. Um, good deal. Uh, so we're kind of just in the final stretch here. Uh, last two or three questions. What are some, what are some fun things? It seems like you've touched on a lot of stuff, hanging in the backyard in the hammock. Um, group. I have clients over in the hammock all the time. I have like a solo stove. We just sit up there like Joe Worth was here. It was it's been months now, but we were there for like four hours just talking spitball and like and like I don't know like and it's think about this when you have these groups, you're only working with people that are similar to you because they have similar interests. So you really like working with everyone you work with, like and then the out of state people I never really know who they are. So it's like I don't know. So every day is kind of fun. Like I, yeah, yeah. The, you said it earlier. Really, actually, all struck. You're just working with your friends because you get to do stuff with people you like and have like interests all the time. So that's really powerful, but that's not something a lot of people can say. It's funny. Like after starting doing this podcast and now doing eh, right around 50 recordings, 
that answer I've gotten more when I ask people what do they like to do for fun? They say, I actually like what I do. But if I asked most W2 earners that, they would never say that. So it's just like, it just, it's eye-opening. It's cool. So love to hear it. Um, you're in a lot of places. You're on social media. What's the best way for people to connect with you, learn more about you, or interact with your content? I want to work one more thing in real quick. Sure. And it's not about that. But I, I want to tell you about this day I had. So um, I rolled out the Louisville Network uh, late November. And three hours before I rolled out the Louisville Network, um, the day before, my former partner said she was switching brokerages. And I was like, okay, that sucks. My brokerage fired me. I was at Keller Williams and they let me go three hours before I rolled out the Louisville network. They're like, Hey, we think it's cool, but we really don't understand how it works. We don't think it's a great fit for us. And I was, I was like one of our top producers. Like I had four times, the next four agents had the same amount of listings as me in one month, like the, the previous month. Like that's how crazy that, so they let me go. So I was like kind of distraught about this, ran over to Harry Border's office, not his house. And like, I was like, this is crazy. He's like, that's insane. I can't believe they did that. And so I go and I'm hosting this happy hour with uh, 60, or I invited, I I was hoping for 50. We had 65 wholesalers at this happy hour. And uh, I like used it as like a badge of honor. Like guys, they don't know what we're doing. We're disrupting the market. Like they let me go. They hate you guys. (laughs) Like all this stuff. And then I was supposed to have like, four of my best friends from like childhood were coming in that night. So I was fired. I hosted the happy hour, rolled out the Louisville network. Then I had the Korea holiday party. And I thought this was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I bought a bunch of Hawaiian lays and anybody that had referred me business bought business, bought with me or sold with me. I gave them a lay at the front door and then they got to drink on my tab for the whole night. So one, they're at a holiday party, they're wearing lays and people are like, why are you wearing the lays? Oh, well my, my realtor, you know, is buying my drinks tonight. So now I'm showing value added. I'm showing everybody around who is their agent. And like, I just thought it was in my tab. I was willing to spend a lot more money. It was like 400 bucks. I was like, why don't I do this every meeting? But that was, think about this. And then I had ended up having like 40 people in, in my backyard because my girlfriend at the time invited everyone to my house. In my, I walk into my house and my house was being renovated. The whole kitchen was gutted. I didn't have like walls were taken down. It was like, it was just so much in one day. Like it was crazy, but like, I, that, and I was like unhappy. Like I was like, I'm worn out or stuff, but like that was such a good day, like in the, in the past. But um, sorry, I just really wanted to like thinking differently is just yeah, go no, for it. That's awesome. Seriously. Like you've got a knack for marketing and doing these different ways to incorporate marketing and networking and brand building that I'm telling you people can learn from. So, so it's cool. And thank you for sharing that story because even something like that, like, these little gestures, they add up so much over time and people remember them and it builds your brand. Like it would be hard for me to imagine someone from California or New York looking to invest in Louisville and your name not coming up. And that means something. So like that right there is value add and brand building. So really cool. No, I appreciate you sharing that story. Oh, it's my pleasure. And then one other thing that any young agent can do (laughs) is anytime there is a charitable like thing on Facebook, I always donate every time because it pops up on my feed and I want people to know, like, I'm not all about making money for myself and I want everyone to know I support the people that support me. So that's a small thing you can do. And like, it's, you always put your sales content out, like value add, like showing that you're giving back. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And I'm in charge of um, raising money for our local charity for uh, Korea. So, I mean, just giving back is really important too. And like we were before all the Corona, we were, doubling how much money we made last year for just by a few small tweaks. It was anyway, sorry, that's all. 
I no, that's awesome. Yeah. Great tips. No, seriously, great tips. Um, so the last question of the show is pretty much just a value question. But before we do that, I just curious because you started in kind of two, it sounds like increments. You started six years ago and then things really changed three yeah. years ago. Um, what advice would you give to yourself if you were to start out again today? Knowing what well, you know now. up with um, that girl, I mean, my former business partner was really great because she provided that uh, structure, like systems, like making our product look prettier. Like she was amazing at that. Um, so that was a good business move. So maybe sometimes partnering up and then once you get your own feet under you, you can do your own thing. Um, but that was big. The sleep apnea getting treated was really big. Um, and then like by partnering up with someone, it freed me up to go out and be with people all the time too. And then I found out how I really, like I learned how I like to network and market uh, and then became like the person I wanted to be, I guess. Yeah, yep, so. 100%. Okay, cool. Uh, last question of the show, Rob. I think it's in alignment with the way that you network and go about relationships. It's all about being value add before value ask. So mm -hmm. I'm sure you get pinged all the time, virtual coffee, maybe mentorship, maybe you can help me. Um, is there anything right now that you need help with or you're working yeah. on that you know you should be doing that if someone reached out to try to bring you value to start the relationship the right way, it'd start off on the right foot? Yes. Okay. So I uh, put this burden on myself, which is fine. I, I, I made it. I like it. I like doing it. But uh, I need more content for my Zoom calls. I do, I'm doing it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That is a lot of people to bring up. So if you have a special trade or trait, like real estate, or like, you know, protecting your money from Uncle Sam or something, like a weird niche, like we just did uh, how to invest with whole life policies. Like we, we've talked about the Burr model. I mean, we brought on local experts. I don't know. So if you have a, like a super cool niche, like reach out to me because I'll put you on there uh, and uh, you'll provide a ton of value to a bunch of people and you can get in front of my audience and, uh, and they're all so cool and they're all so nice and people ask great questions. Um, and then what else uh, that you could help me with? Um, nothing. I don't know. I'm, I'm no, that's good. a good one. hundred percent. And I'll reach out to you. I mean, I'll, we'll talk after this. There's a couple of yeah. people, but that's an easy one, man. And as far as getting content pushed out, yeah, that, that's a cool thing you're doing. So, um, all right, Rob, this has been an awesome episode, man. I know we went over, but you just brought it like so much value, so much actionable stuff that, I mean, the goal of this show is I want people that are sitting at home or maybe W2 people that are trying to get into the game, maybe in an expensive area, just trying to think about how they can invest in real estate, try mm -hmm. to maybe get a little more financially able, maybe get a little happier if they see something. And you really just, you're, you're debunking it that people can't invest out of state or how they can, or just what the steps are. So just want to say thank you for one coming on two for putting all the content out that you are and, and just kind of being the value add person. So um, before we hop, anything that you just want to say, it's kind of a parting word or just call to action for anyone listening. Um, no, uh, well, I'll think about this, but, uh, if you want to reach out to me, uh, my email is rob at ROI Louisville.com rob at ROI Louisville.com. And, um, I'm monitoring that all the time. Um, so yeah, and happy to help with anything and I can run comps in like other markets too. So if you want me to run comps on a deal you're doing somewhere else, like I'm happy to do it. It takes me like three minutes. Um, um, Gosh, what was the, I'm trying to think of like the best book I've like really, that really made me feel, oh, The Go-Giver. I mean, yeah, you got to read The Go-Giver. Because uh, then like, I mean, come from contribution, it's just like, it's powerful. It's really cool. And then when you help other people, people want to help you. And then like, you find out how you can help other people and then you feel good. Like you're always feeling good. You're walking around feeling great. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why this is driving me nuts because I'm not learning what other people need and how to help them. And, you know, it's, it's too much alone time. But um, yeah, read The Go-Giver. Um, and then yeah, just be good to people around you.
<laughs> All right, Rob, you killed it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck in 2020. Good luck with COVID-19. Maybe I'll see you next week. But, yeah, uh, let me know. I'm down. All right, bro. Be well. Great seeing you. Take care. See you guys. All right. Hey, you millennial millionaire. Do you want more? Then head to the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate Facebook group, where there are tons of step-by-step walkthroughs, tools, templates, and free networking to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And if you want Jonathan to help you personally reach your goals, then feel free to set up a one-on-one call in the link below or message him on any social media platform and apply to, well, work with Jonathan.